This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, how does the resurrection offer hope in a coronavirus world? Now, our world has been turned upside down by the COVID-19 coronavirus. Globally, thousands of people have lost their lives, over a million people have been infected, and millions of jobs have been lost. Now, to reduce the spread of the virus, we're told to stay at home, keep physically distant, practice good hygiene, and virtually all physical gatherings have been suspended. Our world is gripped with fear, uncertainty, and despair. Yet this weekend is Easter, the Christian celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, where Jesus was raised from the dead. It's a very significant event that is remembered around the world, but it was an event 2,000 years ago. So what difference does it make today? Can it bring hope in this difficult time? Well, to answer this big question, I've chosen several very special stories of hope from some of the guests we've had on the show before. And I also have a bit of a surprise a little later on. But my first guest is pastor, author, and international speaker, Steve Brady. I asked him how the resurrection of Jesus helps us answer the big question of if there's life after life. Well, I think it answers the question on three levels for us. We all have a trilemma, don't we? We are creatures of a past, a present, and a future. We, we, we can't avoid that. That's how we're wired. And, and the gospel of Jesus offers me something for my past. Uh, the author of the Narnia series, C.S. Lewis, was once on an Any Questions program and asked this question. Professor Lewis, what can Jesus Christ give me that no one else can give me? And I want the answer in one word. And quick as a flash, this brilliant, brilliant mind just said, forgiveness. What do I need for my past? I, I need pardon. And, and the truth is in the present, uh, we're all full of good intentions. But a bit like sometimes Scotty from Star Trek used to put it when they wanted some extra warp speed. And he'd say things like, we've now got the power, Captain, which translated into English is, we're rather sort of denuded of the power we need to get out of this particular predicament. <laughs> we've now got the power. But actually, Jesus Christ, if he's the living Lord, has the ability to come into our lives and empower us and I see that worked out with the churches I've served, with the college I'm at, characters who've been the wrong side of the tracks, prison records, and are now living new lives because Jesus Christ is alive and by his spirit lives in them. And then what about the future? I don't know if you had it here for a while. There used to be the Orange Phone Company. Did, I don't know if you had them in yeah, Australia. Okay. And Sorry. they had a great one-liner for it. The future's bright. The future's orange. Of course, it didn't work very well in Ireland, parts of Ireland, because the orange and the green was highly politicized, <laughs> so they didn't win anything there. But the future's bright because the future's Christ. Because if he has conquered death, then everlasting life, which he offers, is not a pipe dream. Why should it be thought incredible by any of you, says the Apostle Paul, speaking before a king, that God should raise the dead? And if God has raised the dead, then Jesus can say, because I live, you shall live also. My friend, the hematologist, was not a Christian in his early 30s. He was in deep despair as a research scientist, a fine medic, dealing with CLL cancer. 
because the majority of his patients died. Long story short, he got to a church, and he, the church has eventually served, but about 30-odd years or more ago. And he didn't realize it was Easter Sunday. And a man who'd invited him to church, who he was looking after with his, his leukemia, had died. And he was immediately struck by the sense of assurance that this man was now with Christ. And then the, the preacher that day spoke on the words of Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And Jesus then puts a question at the end, and he said, of all those hundreds of people packed into that church on that Easter Sunday morning, my friend Terry said, the preacher pointed right at me and asked the question Jesus asked, do you believe this? He said, and in that moment, I knew two things. One, I had the answer to death that was depressing him. Mm -hmm. And two, if this was the answer, then everything was different, and I needed to come to Christ, which mm -hmm. he did. So then what difference has this resurrection account made for you? Because you've had a particularly challenging experience of death recently in your life. Do you mind sharing about that and how the hope of the resurrection may affect it? Um, my wife of uh, 42 and a half years, uh, very early on in our marriage, began to exhibit symptoms that uh, neurologically that we couldn't explain. Uh, best part of 40 years ago, we eventually got a diagnosis that she had um, a thing called multiple sclerosis, which bit by bit ate away at her, although we were blessed to have two children. And for the last best part of a decade, she'd been in full-time care for her needs, although you know, still quite with it. But just uh, in November, she went into hospital and she had profound renal failure. Uh, she would regularly say from her wheelchair, I can't, as a Christian, I can't wait to get my new body. She lived in the hope of the resurrection. And on Saturday, the 30th of December, just after Christmas, which we were able to spend with her, uh, in my arms, I had this death gurgle. And holding her hands, I simply prayed a prayer from uh, the Christmas story from Simeon. Lord, let your servant depart in peace. And she just slipped away and slipped over, I believe, into the presence of God. She died so wonderfully, peacefully, without any pain. And... What we're going to put as her epitaph are three very pregnant phrases that I saw on a grave over 40 years ago because they sum up my wife and really the Christian position. In Christ, for Christ, with Christ. My wife, by faith, came into Christ to trust him as her Lord and Savior, finding forgiveness and peace with God. She was for Christ in life in a limited uh, energies and anything else. She lived for Jesus and was my so right-hand person, and I was her right-hand person for over 40 years of marriage in, in Christian ministry. And now she's with Christ. And, and the tragedy is a lot of folk would like to, if there is a heaven to gain, they'd like to be with Christ, but they're never for Christ because they've not got into Christ. And the great challenge of Easter is to say, but here's the great news. As George Bernard Shaw said, the statistics on death are most impressive. One out of one people die. Mm. What happens then? The great unknown. And therefore to be in Christ by faith, to trust him, the resurrection and the life, to live for him and by him and through his power is the guarantee of being with him when we leave this mortal coil. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. Obviously very personal story, but it's obviously the hope of the resurrection obviously makes a massive difference to Absolutely. how you live your life. The best is yet to come. The future's mm. bright. The future's Christ. Mm. 
Our next guest is Helen Bell. Now, Helen works for a Christian group which works with university students at Melbourne University. We asked her some big questions about if the resurrection was simply wish fulfillment. We also reflected on the Gospel of Mark, uh, particularly the resurrection account in chapter 16, where women go to the tomb and discover it empty. Siosho shared about how the death of her mother confronted her with some of the bigger questions of life. So I asked her about how the death of her mother affected her understanding of the resurrection of Jesus. I think when mum died, I understood why death was so awful, because I realised that death was about the end of relationships, that what I had was a memory, and it was a good memory, and I'm thankful for the memory, but if there was no life after death, all I have is a memory, and that's a pretty bleak place to be. And I think it's probably still true for some of my family members as they look back at mum's death. But as a Christian, there is a hope of reunion. There is a love that lasts beyond death, which I think we all long for. I think that's one of the horrors of death, actually. It's gone and I see people wrestle with it all the time. I was speaking with friends a few weeks ago and her father-in-law had died and she told her daughter that grandpa's gone to be in heaven. I said, do you believe that? Because it's not as though that's something that is obvious Mm. from her daily life. Um, And it's a really hard conversation to have because you always have it in the raw moments, you know, but no one ever wants to talk about it when it's not raw, so I, I find it quite hard. Her comment to me was, it makes me feel better. And I, I just thought, I don't think that works. I, I, if you know it's, you're saying this to make you feel better, if you know that's your reason for believing this, how does it make you feel better? And what are you telling your daughter about truth if you just make up something you want to be? It was really, uh, yeah, it was an uncomfortable conversation. Mm. Um, so no, I... So you didn't believe the resurrection because it made you feel better? Um, I think it does make me feel better, right, to be honest. Um, The whole idea that there is life after death is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, But equally, I think you can disbelieve the resurrection because it makes you feel better, right? So I'm not... If you are worried about having to give an account of your life to God, Mm. if you don't like the idea of being accountable to someone else for the way you live, equally, the lack of resurrection could be, you know, wish fulfilment. So I don't know that that helps us one way or another Mm. uh, in in resolving the issue. I just think Mm. we need to be honest with ourselves about why we believe certain things and go to truth. You've got good reasons or you've shared some reasons why you believe the resurrection to be true, Helen, but what difference does it make in your life? Um, It gives me great comfort uh, when I think about my mother. So there is a, a real sense that it actually helps me think about death differently. It gives me joy, I think, that suffering and death don't have the final say, that if Jesus came back from the dead, suffering is not the final word on this world. There is a hope of something better. It tells me that injustice doesn't have the final say, that people declared Jesus worthless, that's why they killed him, and God overturned the verdict by raising him from the dead. So it tells me that certain things that are horrible in this world, while they're true now, don't win in the end. And I know that I am loved. It tells me that Jesus is alive and I have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. I don't just have a belief system about him. I know him. There's there's a real relationship. Mm. Now, that's that's experiential, right? I'm not expecting that to persuade anyone else that Jesus is risen from the dead. Mm. I I, I get that. But nonetheless, it's real. You, You know when someone... How do I know my mother loves me? I just knew she did. And I could point to a whole heap of things that she'd said or done that 
confirmed that, but how do I know I experienced her love in all sorts of details of life? Mm. I feel like that the resurrection gives me that. I know that Jesus is alive because he loves me. Now, I don't want to... Yeah, experience matters too. Because yeah. if it's real, if it actually happened, it has to make a difference to the way you live. Mm. There has to be a relationship that flows out of it. So could you believe it without the relationship? I don't know. If you did believe it, I think the relationship would probably have to follow. Mm, mm. So it confirms it, if that makes sense. So. Mm. What about a sense of, maybe a sense of peace or something? That Would, would that come from having a relationship with the risen Jesus? It tells me that whatever happens in this life is temporary. There's a rest, I would say, that comes with the resurrection because it means I'm not running around trying to prove myself, make my mark on this world, worried about the future. I mean, yes, I do those things, but <laughs> I've actually got a way of short, you know, when I see myself doing that, actually saying, Let, let's, let's look at the real world, Helen. Yeah. The real world is that God is in control. The real world is a world where God loves you. I know that because Jesus is risen from the dead. Um, so I think it gives a real rest and a peace. So what does the resurrection account at the end of the Gospel of Mark mean? I think what it's, it's inviting you to do is to ask questions. Did this happen? How do I work out whether this happened? And if you've read the whole story, um, fear and faith have been juxtaposed throughout the book. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. So if it was a panto, right, you'd get to the end of it, the women, don't be afraid, just believe, is what you'd be shouting out. Mm. Not because of wish fulfilment. So throughout Mark, it's not about, I want this to be true, just trust it. It's a continual demonstration of who Jesus is. He is one you can trust. He is one who is powerful. Believe what he says because he acts on what he says. And he's already told them at this point that he's coming back from the dead. Mm. He's actually told them that, but they haven't been able to, to, process it. to process it at all. And so they're still in, this is what happens when people die. Oh, my goodness, Jesus is not like any other person. Mm. So for me, one of the things the resurrection does is tells me Jesus is not like any other person. This is not normal that a man comes back from the dead. Mm. And if it happened every day and we weren't surprised, Jesus would be nothing special. It's the fact. If it happened, it actually really matters that mm. it happened once. Mm. So I think you're meant to be sitting there saying, think about who Jesus is. Mm. Think about what he said. Think about what he's done. Start to work out what this resurrection means. And I think Mark, that, that biography, gives you the space to be freaked out by, to be trying to wrestle with how does it fit, what do I understand this, and to actually then move forward from that. Mm. It's not kind of, oh, yeah, they saw him from the dead. Excellent. <laughs> Let's skip off into the sunset understanding this completely. There's mm. a real wrestle mm. with it. Our next guest is Shane Rogerson. Shane lives in Paran in inner city Melbourne and was a pastor of St. Matt's Anglican Church in Paran for many years. Now, Shane shared his powerful story of moving from a Marxist atheist to an Anglican pastor. And then central to his story was coming to terms with the historical reality of the resurrection of Jesus. After we talked about this, I then asked him, so, so what? What difference does the resurrection of Jesus make today? Um, I, I think this is a, is, is, is a fundamental question. I, I'd answer it in two ways. One, it says that this body uh, and this world is very important to God. 
because the resurrection is about a bodily rising to new life. When Jesus rose bodily from the dead, for example, when uh, Thomas encounters the news, he says, I won't believe it until I see his, the, 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 the holes in his hands and the, the hole in his side. And when Jesus appears uh, to Thomas, he shows him. So here's a, a bodily risen Jesus, one who apparently has conquered sin and death and all that spoils, and yet he has scars. So there's, there's, uh, it, it's, they recognize him as Jesus. He's the Jesus who had walked the earth and suffered and died. But now a, a Jesus who still has those scars and yet uh, is no longer corrupted by death. And I think that actually says that the scars that speak in this life are actually remembered but are, but are, are given a greater meaning, a greater fulfilment. That, that is, the scars that, 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 that are part of this life, the, the disciples can look at the scarred and, and Jesus but see that God has actually done something about the scars of this life. They're not just going to be forgotten, but they'll be given a fuller meaning in resurrection uh, so that all that spoils, all that destroys, all that corrupts has, has been dealt with. And so there's this, there's this hope of an existence uh, what the Bible calls a, a, a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth, uh, where there is life that is unspoiled and unmarred by uh, all that hinders us and hurts us in this life. And so uh, the bodily resurrection of Jesus, it's not only hope for the future, but actually also says something about our bodies now, mm -hmm. uh, that this life is important. What we do now really counts. Uh, and, and God's not just going to throw it away. He's not just going to discard it and give us some kind of ethereal cloud kind of existence. See, for a, for a Greek thinker at that time, that was a radical thought. Because the Greeks thought, no, you can do whatever you want in the body because it's a tent. It's just sort of passing on. When Jesus rises bodily from the dead, he says, no, this body that you've been given, it's, it's actually it's, it's a fundamental theatre in which life is lived. Um, but one that can be lived in relationship to God, in relationship to the world, in relationship to people around us. Mm. So we've been describing this as the week that changed the world. What is it about this message or this story that has changed the world? Well, the Apostle Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sin. Um, it means that Christians are incredibly deluded people. Mm -hmm possibly deceptive in what we're doing now. Uh, but not only that, there's an increasing amount of people who say it's not only deceptive and, and dangerous, but it's actually destructive. Uh, so, so you could change the world for, for the worst. It could actually be changing the world for the worst. That, that, and there'd be those today that it would say Christianity is not a force for good. It's actually a force for evil. Uh, and I, I think Christians probably need to wear that on the chin a little bit and say, are we actually uh, a force for good or a force for evil? Uh, but I think uh, if you go to the, the, the very heart of the Christian faith, despite all the ways in which some people may say the Christian faith has let them down or not come through with the goods in the way they, you know, it's whatever was on the label isn't actually what's in the packet, you know, kind of thing. Um, at the heart of resurrection hope 
is giving meaning to this life and giving us a trajectory into eternity so that um, things like justice and truth and, and goodness and honesty are given a value uh, that will be affirmed for all eternity, that won't just fizzle up and die with us and therefore are pointless, but they'll actually be affirmed as the very things that God has made us for. So he's given us a, a new hope. A, a, absolutely, a, a hope that, that actually grounds, if you like, we can look ba- back to the past and what Christ has done. We can look into the future and this new creation that God has promised and that, that, that Christ is the first fruits of. And that actually gives us a compass bearing for how we live now as people of justice and as people of love and as people of peace and integrity and truth. Because those things matter. They were demonstrated in the life of Jesus. They're fulfilled in this coming new creation. And that that means how we live now is incredibly filled out and meaningful. Now, due to the restrictions on social gatherings, we've all been spending a lot more time at home, which has made it harder for me to interview guests for the show and also to get live audiences. So I was thinking as a final guest for this show, I thought, well, why not interview my family as they're spending a lot more time with me at the moment? So for a real treat now, I thought I'd introduce my wife, Di, and my three children, Aidan, Aoife, and Callum. So, guys, how how have you been coping at home so far, Aoife? Uh, well, what I'm thinking right now is it's really happening. It's not a dream. It's actually reality. It's not a movie. Um, it's a bit frightening and a bit scary. Like, there's, like, nothing n- nothing at the shops. Um, and, like, whenever you see someone on the street, you know you can't, like, touch them yeah or get close to them that's yeah. right and that's a bit of a fr- somewhat of a strange experience for you yeah and like you can't go on playgrounds anymore which is a bit sad because then we've got like we've got less things to do now like, yeah, yeah yeah how about you Aiden? how have you been coping being at home all this time um i quite like being at home because it's a lot more simpler and easier but it is still a bit hard not to be able to talk to anyone not seeing anyone and not going out as much yeah. And what about you, Callum? You're the youngest of the group. What do you, how, are you, how have you been coping? Because I've got Lego trains, I've been playing with them and I've been playing with my Lego. Oh, that's been, that's been good for you to spend time at home doing that? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Di? How, how have you been responding to the time here with this uh, pandemic? Well, it means uh, more supervision um, of the children and um, thinking up creative ways to keep everyone active and entertained. Uh, But I do enjoy the um, slower pace and just um, our our world has become smaller, which is actually relaxing and and nice in a way. Yeah, so there's a plus side then to things being uh, quite frantic and and challenging and and, uh, uncertain in the outside world. Yeah, yeah. So just it's just a massive clearing of the diary, which I think many parent has wished to happen in the past, and now, well, our our wish has come true in a in a in a very difficult way. Yeah, but that's not to say that the the, the situation is not. It's not all, all. It's obviously a challenging time and a challenging situation, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of uncertainty, uh, so we don't know when school will go back or what form school will take. Uh, we're not sure day to day of what the restrictions will be. So 
having that uncertainty is definitely a challenge. Yeah. Now, in the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, uh, there's a, a verse that says, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, Aidan, how do you think the resurrection of Jesus gives hope amidst the coronavirus pandemic? Um, it means that we have hope that when we die, we'll go to heaven like Jesus if we believe in him and be with him forever. Yeah, and that gives you hope, does it? Yes. Yeah. How about you, Aoife? Is that, is that something that impacts you? Well, my, it's sort of the same as Aiden, but it also means that, like, even if I get the virus, Jesus will protect me, yeah. Yeah, protect you in what way? Like, he still might get sick and die if you get the yeah, virus. Yeah, but, like, what he does is because he loves us. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that you reflect on at Easter time? Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Callum? How does the resurrection, do you think, give us hope in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic? The hope for me is that the tomb was empty and... um. That that means hope to me. Yeah, that means hope for you because the the resurrection of Easter Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Di? How does the resurrection of Jesus help? Well, I, I think there's actually a lot to say about the resurrection. Um, on the one hand, it means that uh, Jesus suffered and died in the first place, and that means he knows what it's like for us to suffer. Um, it shows that God cares for us enough to enter into our world which includes suffering Um, but also there's great joy in that he defeated death and he's actually overcome the world in a way overcome um, this broken world Um, and he's opened up the way to a new world which has no suffering at all and so we can see this suffering as temporary and that helps us endure um, with the hope that there is something much, much better to come. Mm. So this hope, as it says in this passage, is a living hope. Yeah, it's a living hope. So in this world, we can have hope for things. We can hope that the pandemic will end, and it, it will. Um, we can hope for all sorts of things, but we can't ever have full certainty of those hopes, whereas the hope um, of a new life, an eternal life with God is certain because Jesus has defeated death. So there we have it. A number of reflections and stories from a variety of guests contemplating Easter and the reality of the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that this brings. So let me leave you now with the Bible's reflection on how the resurrection offers hope in a coronavirus world from 1 Peter 1.3. In his great mercy... He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thanks very much to all of our guests who could share for this special Easter show in the midst of this challenging time. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.